Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorla. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Today, we are kicking off a brand new series. Over the next few weeks, we will be recording episodes highlighting the importance of theological education. We'll be interviewing our own faculty, students, and alumni at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary for these episodes. Our conversations are going to cover topics typically covered in seminary. Uh, through the classes that are provided. I'm super excited uh, for this series. I literally, Ronjor, opened the Sebits catalog and just picked classes to include in our episodes. <laughs> to kick this series off, though, who better to bring in than Dr. Chuck Lawless? Dr. Lawless serves as professor of evangelism and missions at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He also serves as the dean of doctoral studies and is Vice President for Spiritual Formation and the Ministry Centers at Southeastern. Dr. Lawless, you get the pleasure of kicking off our series uh, and starting us off by having a conversation on seminary. We have a class called Intro to Seminary that's required of our master-level students. So I thought you'd be an excellent guest to, to, to come on and have a broader conversation on seminary, particularly theological education here at Southeastern. So speaking of Southeastern in general, could you share a little bit about the school's mission? Why does Southeastern exist? Sure. The best way to do that is to give our our mission statement first, and that is that Southeastern exists to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ uh, by equipping students to serve the local church and fulfill the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we are here to equip students. We don't do that by ourselves. We, We are partners with the local church. In fact, our, our denominational statements that describe what we do as an institution, uh, those, those statements are just marked by we assist the local church. We assist the local church. That's our job. Uh, we come alongside the local church to equip students to serve other local churches, which means we want them to know how to serve them. But for me, Brandon, it's also important to me that we, we lead them to love the local church. Uh, because they will serve the local church best when they love the local church. Mm. And then ultimately, through that local church, either as those who are sent or those who send, we serve together to fulfill the Great Commission, to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Yeah, now, like, I, I believe all of us uh, as as faculty members here at Southeastern, we've been on both sides of mm-hmm. the of the the lectern, if you will. Uh, we've been students in theological education, and now we are professors in theological education. So let's talk first about uh, about your journey. So you, obviously, being here, uh, you have been on both sides. So what pushed you to pursue theological education? And then eventually to be a professor yourself, teaching and uh, and 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 giving theological education. Um, how, how has that uh, this arena of theological education on an academic level? How how has that shaped your life and ministry? Let me let me put it in the context of my testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my parents weren't believers. I became a believer at age thirteen when a when a seventh grade classmate shared the gospel with me. The Lord called me to preach that. Same day, uh, 
we could talk about that at a different point, but this, but it was incredibly clear to me that God was calling me to, to preach his word. Uh, but prior to that, from, from the time I was five years old, from kindergarten, I knew I wanted to teach. It was just, I, I loved my kindergarten teacher and I decided <laughs> I wanted to be one. Uh, and so much so that we set up a playroom in our house and I made it a classroom so that I could, so I could teach my, my brother and our, and our neighbors. It's just what I wanted to do. So when the Lord called me to, to preach, my church basically said, you can do one or the other, but you can't do both. Mm. And it was a wrestling match for me. I mm. did my undergrad in secondary English education, still wanting to, to teach, but I had this very clear calling to, to preach. That was a battle. And honestly, Roger, I started pastoring full-time at 20 years old. Wow. Uh, I look back now and think, what were they thinking, and, and what was I thinking? Uh, it was a small country church, 19 people in southwestern Ohio, most of whom are related to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew them because one of their previous pastors had been my student pastor. He had invited me there to preach once in a while. And for whatever reason, they, they called me uh, to come lead them. And about... Uh, I was there for a couple years, then went to a second church that I stayed for 11 years. About uh, four years into that, I, I finished my undergrad degree, and I it didn't take me long to figure out in ministry that I really needed a whole lot more training. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had no idea how to answer questions, but at the time, you actually had to move to a seminary campus. There was no distance learning uh, and I loved my church. I didn't want to leave my church. Mm. But but here's what happened. Southern Seminary, this, this sounds crazy now, given where we are today. Southern Seminary was the first of our Southern Baptist seminaries to offer a Monday class schedule. Hmm. Because at that point, Mondays were always class-free because the assumption was the students would be preaching somewhere on Sunday. They mm. would use Monday to travel. Mm. And so the class schedule was always Tuesday to, to Friday. Well, Southern started— a Monday-only program where you could do the bulk of your classes one day a week. I lived two and a half hours out of Louisville, so every Monday for eight years, wow. I drove to um, Southern Seminary. Some semesters, I drove every day. Uh, oh, wow. I took—I don't recommend this either. I took Greek and Hebrew both in the same semester. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just the way it worked out. It was, it was absolutely nuts. Um, but they made it possible for those of us who wanted to stay in our ministries, we could drive to the to the campus. That's what, what led me into theological education personally. The teaching, I just I just knew I always wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. And when I finished my MDiv, Southern Seminary, frankly, was transitioning much more to a, the conservative institution than it is now. And so I felt more comfortable staying there. Um, Tom Rayner invited me to to enter the the new PhD program of the Billy Graham School of Missions and Evangelism and Church Growth. Uh, and then within a year or so, Tom asked me to become his assistant, and that led the way. He hired me eventually as as a professor, and I've been teaching now for 20—this is my 26th year. Mm. Wow. 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 That's awesome. That's so cool. So you've shared a little bit about this, but seminary day is coming up May 15th, I believe. That's something that's on our calendar in the SBC yearly. Not a lot of people know about it. Mm-hmm. So I just want to take another moment just to kind of highlight this this partnership between seminary and local church. What is this partnership? Why is it so important that, that there really is this partnership between both the local church and the seminary? 
uh, here's, here's the most practical reason for us from the seminary side. Because of the way we operate as Southern Baptist seminaries, a significant portion of our, our funding comes from Southern Baptist churches who give through the cooperative program. Right. So the reality is, uh, for me, uh, in all these years of teaching and serving with the, with the International Mission Board as well, my paychecks have come from Southern Baptist and local churches. Right. So practically, that's I like that partnership. But the local church is the center of what we do in getting the gospel to the to the nations. And so we have to help the local churches, as I said before. Uh, they send us students, uh, but we cooperate with them. Ideally, they have discipled them before they send them to us. That doesn't always happen. Uh, and we have to figure out how to help them as quickly as we can in the brief amount of time that we we can influence them. Mm-hmm. But we send them back to those same local churches, so w- we have to work together to figure out how do we best equip them, uh, what what can we learn from pastors who say to us, you're sending us graduates, but you need to equip them to do this better, right. so that we're continually striving to improve what we do because we're in continual conversation with with local churches. Yeah. A few few months ago, we did a uh, an episode on theological education. And one of the things that we said in it was, you know, you can have a student that takes every single course in our Southeastern catalog. And if they aren't actively in and serving in a local church, they're missing probably the biggest piece of the mm-hmm. pie. Mm-hmm. And so that partnership between local church and and seminary is so important. Like churches have their hands all over, you know, what we're doing here at Southeastern through the cooperative program and through them equipping students before they come here. Yeah, absolutely. So where is this going? Uh, We've got theological education. Obviously, you know, we're we're not the the new kids on the block, right? I mean, you know, uh, folks have been training, uh, you know, for ministry for, for millennia. Uh, and it hasn't looked like it does now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somewhere down the line, there have been adaptations. There have been some uh, some pivoting uh, to to get to where we are right now. And well, you know, you've got some folks. Uh, well, the whole world has 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 had to experience uh, a pandemic mm-hmm. uh, and so on, and that has you know uh, caused some disruption uh, in in uh, education across the board, but but particularly here in theological education and so on too. So uh, just you know, if you could uh, kind of put on your uh, your your prophet mantle for a little <laughs> bit, and uh, <laughs> and 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 where, where do you see this heading? Like, where what are the trends uh, in in, in uh, theological education these days? Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, there are others certainly can answer that question better than I, but I'll give you my, my assessment. Uh, on one hand, I don't know. Uh, because had you asked me this question 26 years ago, I doubt I would have said, we'll have a large number of distance learning students. We'll offer classes that meet one day a week. Sure. We'll offer some classes that meet for five straight days. Mm. Uh, we'll have hybrid weekends. Uh, we weren't talking about any of those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's hard to project uh, far into the future, but but we do know this. The world of education is changing under our feet, mm-hmm. and, and part of what's happening is institutions are going to have to figure out, are we simply going to react to what's changing around us, or are we going to get out in front of what's what's happening to figure out how can we prepare for the future, not react to mm-hmm. uh, what comes to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think 
we're going to continue to look at delivery methods, uh, that how we used to do education is is different than how we do it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you mentioned the pandemic that drove all of us online. Now, Southeastern, thank the good Lord, we had already done a lot online. And so mm-hmm. our transition was not a difficult one for the, for the COVID season. Uh, but I, I think, obviously, online education is here to stay. Uh, our, our responsibility then is either to get frustrated with it or to figure out how to do it the best we can. Yeah. I think we've got to do the latter. Uh, and, and my missiological heart takes me there because through online education, we can, we can equip the nations without the nations having to move here to get education. Mm-hmm. What, what often happens when folks come to the states to get education is they wind up staying in the states. And that's, that's not the goal. So if we can figure out how to touch the nations, and at least for me, if I really believe that what I'm teaching matters, it shouldn't bother me how I deliver it. Mm-hmm. I should be grateful that I can get it to anybody. Uh, so I think we have to do that. I think institutions are going to have to deal with the funding issues. We we have the privilege of the cooperative program, as we mentioned, right. helping us. Uh, who knows where that will be 25 years from now? We, we don't know what it's going to look like. More and more institutions are struggling financially and moving toward closing their doors. Um, the competition, and I don't like that word at all in our Christian circles, mm-hmm. but but we have to face reality that we're all fishing in the same pond. Mm-hmm. And in Southern Baptist life, we have six strong seminaries that, that are trying to reach the same Southern Baptist students. And so I think that's that's reality, that we're going to have to figure out how to do this together mm-hmm. um, to, to best do this. So I think there I think there are a lot of changes still coming. Uh, more and more connection to the local church, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that would take me back to the pastorate I pastored for 14 years. Uh, one of the things that would take me back there is the reality that I could go back and pastor a church, have a group of guys that I'm mentoring, and through that local church, I can help guide them in a large number of classes. Um, in cooperation with the seminary, because that's the way we have to work, mm-hmm. maybe using some online lectures, uh, likely so, where we're, where we're combining our efforts of hands-on ministry and good, solid training. Uh, if I knew I could do that and take a group of 10 guys and, and work through that process, which is where we are and will continue yes. to go, uh, that's, that's attractive to me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You mentioned distance learning. Quick shout out to Dr. Jerry Lassiter and just his fantastic team yes, uh, in distance learning that helped yes. us get through mm. COVID. That's, that's right. Uh, and they just do a phenomenal job with that program, uh, for sure. Uh, you mentioned doing classes through the local church. As a, a graduate uh, with the master's uh, degree here, those were some of my favorite classes. We have the equip program here at the school, which allows students to get credit for some of the classes we offer here through their local church. And uh, I took advantage of that for, for at least, I think, four of the classes. And uh, Good. that was just such a great, a great a way to do it. Did you do that in a church here locally? I or? did, yeah. Okay. At Open Door. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So I would encourage any pastors that, that want to know more about our equip program to definitely find out more about that. That's something that we do here. Yeah, I for sure would. And you know, I think there are some students that need to come here. Right. Right. There's no question. There's mm-hmm. there's right. And I think it's 
it's really good to be here, to be in chapel services right. with us, to get to know us face to face. There are other students I would say, look, if you're in a you're in a strong church and you have a great solid pastor equipping you and training you and you're the Lord's using you to reach people, do I really want to bring you to this campus right. and cocoon you on this campus for four? Yeah. I don't I don't think it's so. It's not the same for everyone. You it's know, not. I have a no, I have a, right. a dear brother of mine who is a faithful listener to this podcast who's doing distance learning through southeastern right now in Mississippi. He's pastoring a church. It's working for him. It's good. We're for me and my wife, we started out in doing distance learning, and we just felt there was something missing for us yeah, personally, yeah. where we needed to be physically on campus. And so we made that shift from distance learning. But again, that's that's something that is is different for everyone. And and we as professors have to have to learn how to rejoice at both options. Right. Mm-hmm. I actually I invest in right now more guys through distance learning than I do here in Wake Forest. Uh, and you just you just make it work. We, we don't have the face to face conversation like we're having right now, but you can pretty much stare somebody in the face on Zoom mm-hmm. uh, and ask the same hard questions and and teach the same lessons and sharpen iron even through a screen. It's not ideal, but you can't make it work if you decide no. Whatever method God allows me to use, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna capitalize on it. Yeah, yeah. you think you think of like. Um, if if you have uh, and, and I've I've done this several times, we'll we'll take a box of of, of jigsaw puzzle pieces and so mm-hmm. on. We throw them out on the table, and and we'll just come at it periodically. You know, somebody will walk over, they'll put together a couple of pieces, huh. they'll walk out. Somebody else will come over, put together a few pieces, and so on. Uh, in a lot of ways, theological education is like that. Uh, I I would love to be the one to sit at the table and put all of the pieces right. together right. and just say, leave me alone. I've got this, <laughs> you know, and, and do that. Um, and that's how we've done seminary, you right. know, for for many, many years. You come here and, you know, invest, you know, sell your house, quit your job, come here, be here, and we will put the pieces together and so on. But in many cases, theological education these days, you have so much more flexibility, I think, for us as the professor Mm -hmm. to go, I may only contribute a couple of pieces to this puzzle. Mm. Uh, You know, I would I would love to be the one to do that. But, you know, this guy is, as you said, this guy is over on the other side of the country, maybe on the other side of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, and I may have a conversation with him, you know, through email. And that's all the 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 pieces that I can put together. That's that's the the extent of the interaction that I have with that person. Um, I know there have been plenty of times where I've gone to the annual meeting uh, uh, for the for the convention and folks will come up and say, hey, Professor Locke, I I had you in class, you know, and all of this, and I'm and I'm playing it off as best I as I can, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful! That's wonderful. I have no idea who you are, you know. And I've, I've the only time I've seen your face is on the roster, yeah. you know. Yeah. And 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 yeah. And so I only had a couple of pieces, yeah. you know, that's to right. contribute to that's that right. puzzle. But we need to be okay because. The goal is not for me to be the one to put the pieces together. The goal is that God would shape them. And whatever part we have in that, whether it's the whole puzzle or whether it's just a few pieces, we're a part of what God is doing in that person's life, training them up for the mission. And that's that's worth everything. Yeah, it sure is. And one of the things that amazes me about—I served at Southern Seminary now at Southeastern. It's just amazing to me to see how God puts faculties together Mm -hmm. uh, Mm. where— you have an area of, of expertise. I have an area. I don't know if I call it expertise or not, but I have an area that I studied <laughs> anyway. Um, we have brilliant scholars all over this campus. Right. 
and somehow God God orchestrates events that they 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 want to come here, they stay here, uh, they pour their lives into uh, to our students, and it's the combined efforts of all of us yeah. that help us to produce our graduates who who ideally live out our core competencies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. good. So. What is your hope for the person listening to this podcast right now who wants to start or continue their education? If you could just give like, you know, what, what your hope would, would be for them in their pursuit, whether it's starting or continuing their theological education, what would it be? Yeah, my hope would be that they would they would choose to go to a confessional institution that stands on the word of God. Uh, and that's more than a hope. That would be my my strong recommendation, my order if I had the the authority to do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're going to invest your life in training, you need to be in a place that stands on the word that still does help you understand the opposing positions, uh, but also teach you how to how to defend your, your faith. Yeah. I think if we're going to give the effort and the dollars to do it, we need that. Mm-hmm. My hope would be that uh, as they seek that place, they would seek advice from trusted mentors and pastors to help give them some guidance. My hope would be that they would trust the Lord for provision mm-hmm. to be able to to pay the bills, to make decisions about moving, not moving, that they would learn to lean on the Lord even more as they're seeking his direction mm-hmm. about theological training. That's good. So what warnings would you give them? Now, one warning I, I in essence, gave in a different direction— I, I would warn against just picking a place because it's cheaper or it's closer or uh, I can do everything quickly and I can get degrees really quickly that may or may not be accredited. Uh, I would say do your do your homework. Mm, uh, that's good. And I would say however the Lord leads you, if he leads you to a campus or if he leads you to stay right where you are, in all of those cases, and we've said this throughout this podcast, you have to be invested in a local church. Mm-hmm. You're going to do right. any of this apart from your investment in a local church. You may wind up with more head knowledge, but you're not going to wind up more Christ-like right. in, the, in the process. I would just add one thing that I've actually noticed a lot, and that's guys just wanting to speed through it. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to get mm-hmm. the degree and be done with it. And I would just push back a little bit on that that it's not necessarily about you just getting through it, like chugging down classes like it's like a bottle of water, but but really taking your time and, and not seeing this as anything separate, you know, because there's some guys that that really struggle with work and, mm-hmm. and seeing it as kind of an act of worship or, or you know, being a, 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 a method of spiritual formation. So I think that would be some, just from something that I've seen warning people. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's a tension in that Mm because I think about our our students who want to go out and do missions. I don't want them coming here without an urgency that says, I want to get done quickly so I can get to the nations. Uh, But at the same time, I don't want them being so urgent that they do a lousy job in their training or they miss something. That's your point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do we live in that tension? I think we just do. I think we just have to figure out how to live in the tension. I also think there are some guys on the other end of that, Brandon, who intentionally take their time here and in other places because there's a little bit of fear of having to get out into the into the real world. Mm. Uh, that's not helpful either. Right. Uh, so we've got to figure out how do we press on the best way we can 
not moving so quickly that we lose something, but not lingering so long that we lose our urgency or uh, wind up finding this is a safe place. So let's let's shift gears a little bit. You've got okay. a you've got a pastor who has done his his master's degree. Maybe he's done an MA or he's done an MDiv or or, or so forth, and well, he's. He's still got the itch, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and and we talk about that a lot here on campus. That that itch, you know, there's a, there's a question that that really needs to be teased out. You know, there's there's um, a, a, a a point of research, a topic that that he really wants to develop a little bit more, and so on. But he's pastoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what should he do with that? You know, should he should he keep on going towards uh, an advanced degree, a, a, a th a, a D-man, a PhD, you know, or so forth. Um, uh, you know, should he should he be more focused on you know the work of shepherding? You know, what, what how help help a pastor that's in that situation? How, how does he think through that? I think there are, there are multiple factors. One, he's, he's called to be a shepherd. He is a shepherd from the illustration that you used, uh, which means he's got to shepherd his people, mm-hmm. uh, regardless right. of what he decides about education. Got to shepherd his people. But sometimes taking on additional education forces you to delegate some of ministry to the people that you should have been trusting in the first place. Mm. Uh, the the guys who really struggle with this are the guys who try to keep everything up over here and everything up over here, and they burn out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if If adding this to your plate, meaning further training, pushes you to say, but wait, God gave me these folks who can walk with me and help me, and they frankly sometimes can do it better than I can— that's ultimately better leadership. And so I think there's a positive in that. What what I would say, and this is the way I frame it, when when we have, and I'm thinking about graduate students who've, who've graduated, thinking about doctoral work, when we have opportunity for further training and we have accessibility to further training mm. and we have ability to do further training, when we have those three things, I'll say them again, opportunity, accessibility, and ability. Mm -hmm. When we have those three things, it seems to me we at least have to ask the Lord, do you want me to do more training? Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's for everybody, right? uh, but I think we've got to ask the Lord because I I work with so many believers around the world who would give an awful lot to have 15 minutes of training like you and I Mm -hmm. have been privileged to get. Mm -hmm. So we at least have to ask the question. The The plus of doing advanced-level coursework, as you know, as I know, uh, you get to you get to narrow your focus to something you love. Yeah. And for me, my, my PhD work was a lot more fun than my MDiv work mm. uh, because every class I took, was I was reading books that I wanted to read anyway. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was writing on things I should have been thinking about anyway as a, mm. as a pastor. And so those days actually moved more rapidly. I enjoyed them more. Uh, and now, unlike when I started, you had to move to a campus to do PhD work. There are so many different tracks right. that don't require you to walk away from your ministry setting it's it's a, a lot more opportunities to do the work now, so we at least have to consider it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's just really good degrees to kind of test the waters. Like I'm, you know, I'm in the THM. The yes, THM that's right. has been that's right so helpful, and for me personally, saying can I do something more? Like mm-hmm. like you said, the the MDiv is kind of like you're going on tour, 
and there's so many stops, no, that's right. so many yeah, different yeah. classes. But the advanced degree is kind of like, no, I'm going to pitch the tent up here. I'm going to stay here for a little while. And mm-hmm. it's been really refreshing to have that change for sure. So if yeah, you're a pastor that's like, I, I don't know, maybe like I have those things, but there's kind of a confidence that's kind of lacking a, a, a degree like the THM program could that's be. That's a good, perfect. it's a good degree. Yeah. The MDiv, there are a lot of stops <clears throat> along the way that you have no control over the stop either. Right. Somebody right. else decides. Someone's driving the stop. bus. And that's, and that's part of the difficulty with the, the breadth of the MDiv. Uh-huh. Um, but the THM is a good degree, a degree that allows you to to step it up from the from the MDiv. Uh, at least for us at Southeastern, you can take some some PhD seminars, right, right. and if you if you get a high enough grade in those seminars and you're accepted in the PhD, you can transfer them in. If I were doing it again, that wasn't an option at Southern Seminary yeah. when I did it. If if the, it were an option, I would have done it. Yeah, because in essence, if you transfer twelve hours into your PhD. You're getting another degree. You're getting from, another degree for one more semester and a head start. That's exactly right. And so, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would consider anyone who's listening to this right now uh, to contact our PhD office to get more information uh, as well. Christy Thornton is the director of the the THM as well. She can give you some more uh, right. information on that. It's good mm-hmm. for the pastors that are listening to this. Like, nah, fam, I'm I'm out. Like, <laughs> no no more theological education for me. What advice would you give them for people in their church? who have expressed a desire to pursue theological education but are unsure of the degree they want to pursue or where they want to go. So thinking as the uh, the, the pastor as kind of the one helping them think through those things, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say the same thing to, to pastors who have decided I'm out in, in your terminology uh, and those who are, who are trying to equip some of their, some of their church members. I, I would probably start by looking at our certificate programs here, yeah. uh, where you can you can take graduate level courses in our grad level certificates, or another level uh, below that that allow that that allows you just to get some additional training yeah. to to think about. Right, as a pastor, I wish I had had more courses in biblical counseling. Well, mm. we have a we have a certificate in, in biblical counseling. Right. You take a series of courses and. You don't get a degree, but you come out much more equipped yeah. to to do that that kind of training. So I would look at that, look at our certificates office right. and see what options are there. And even a step below that, we actually offer some free classes we do. online. That's right. So like that's if right. you have uh, someone in your church that's that's thinking about it but that doesn't know, that's an excellent place to it start is. because it, it's free. <laughs> yeah, including Dr. Aiken's course on hermeneutics. Right. And there's mm-hmm. just some good things. Uh, I've I've worked with Dr. Aiken now for he and I started Southern Seminary at the same time uh, in 1996. Uh, there's a big part of me that would love to have been his student to to learn from him. Now I can yeah by a, a free series of lectures. So why not take advantage yeah. of the opportunities? And as someone who was a you know the the student most recently at this table. I would encourage pastors just to let, like, to encourage that member to do the homework. One of the things that you that That's you were right. saying earlier right. was was knowing more about the school. So, what what are the doctrines that are affirmed? What maybe do some homework on the faculty that are there? That was something that that I did that completely had me sold on Southeastern. I heard one sermon from Jim Shaddix at hmm. a Mississippi Baptist State Convention, and I said I want to go there because that. Wow. was exactly wow. what I'm I, I need I need that and I haven't looked back since so so do your homework see what's offered see what extra resources are offered when I do a pitch for southeastern for aspiring pastors specifically I do the four Ps 
the pastor center, the preaching faculty, the people, and the purpose. Hmm. So see what's available for you at these, you know, various, even if it's not Southeastern, see what's available. You know, our hope, and I'm speaking you and me, Ron Jor, here mm-hmm. for the center, our hope is that students who come to Southeastern know we don't just have them while they're here. Like we don't just take them in and send them out and guess what? We're done with you, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, we want students who graduate from Southeastern to know that when they 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 experience those difficult seasons, those unexpected circumstances, that we still have them. Like we have them. And that's why we have programs like our sabbatical program mm-hmm. here uh, for pastors just to get a break from ministry, just to catch their breath. And it's not just through the difficulties. It's through the victories. We want to celebrate with them. And of course, this isn't just exclusive to our to our students. We, you know, we've had our sabbatical program used twice mm-hmm. in the past year, and neither mm-hmm. of those were from Sebit students or alumni. So mm-hmm. we still have you, but but for the students that are considering pursuing theological education, or for the pastors that are trying to help those members think through what that looks like, I would just encourage you to to consider Southeastern because we want them to know we've got them even after they get the diploma and the Lord has called them to go, like mm-hmm. we've still got them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and think about your uh, your role, uh, Pastor, in the cultivation of, of a love for theological education in your local church. Like I think about my bride. Um, she grew up in, uh, in another denomination, uh, Evangelical Free uh, Church, and her pastor was uh, – he had done his master's degree, I believe, prior to becoming pastor there. Uh, had pastored there for 26, 27 years or so before he retired. Um, and and he actually did a doctoral uh, – he, he completed a doctorate as pastor, a, a D-man, uh, while he was pastoring there. And what was so amazing for her – well, she would go to the Sunday school classes. She would go to the the different uh, seminar type things. Uh, and she grew up in youth ministry and and all of that. But they had such a focus on theological training of their members. Uh, you know, she would go to a class on you know angels and demons. She would go on a class you know that would be studying Romans. She would take a Sunday school class that would be you know dealing with um, uh, you know the the uh, theology of missions. You know, and, and mm-hmm. things like that. They were doing that there in, in the local church. Uh, he was also an adjunct professor at a, a Bible college up in Pennsylvania as well. And and so she really got a, a uh, not only a theological education, but she got a love for theological education that really propelled her into doing you know theological education herself. Mm. And she said, for all the years that I've known her, she said, uh, I love the scriptures, you know, and and I approach the scriptures the way that I do. And she she really would say it it wasn't so much because of my time in college, seminary, and so on, as it was my time in my church. Mm. Uh, it That's was good. growing up in the church that developed that and cultivated that. And so think about that, Pastor, as you're as you're shepherding your folks uh, week in week out. Are you cultivating among your people a love to learn, hmm. a love to to know God, a, a love to want to know more and to uh, to grow in your knowledge and uh, and and grow in your understanding of who He is and and the world and the mission that He's given to us? So, yeah, uh, you have the very important role there uh, in the shaping of your people uh, for the training that they need for ministry. 
Um, one more, one more question for you, Chuck. Um, think about all that you've done as you've you've uh, you know uh, been here for a number of years uh, at Southeastern. And one of the things that we talk about here is uh, is that we want to train students to fulfill the mission, and you have a part in that. Uh, you you certainly have a have a, a significant role in that here uh, at Southeastern. So how has how has Southeastern helped you equip students to fulfill the mission? Let me let me back up to my time at, at Southern Seminary to show where all this fits together for me as a as a professor. I, my team for the International Mission Board that, that works directly with me, I have six couples that work with me uh, from all around the world in theological education, four of whom were my, were my students. Wow. And so I have the privilege of now in some ways shepherding them to do greater things than I've ever done around mm. the world. And I, and I absolutely delight in that. Mm. I, I came to Southeastern because— because this institution drips with the Great Commission. Mm. Uh, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be in a place where uh, you just knew from the top down, we were about figuring out how to reach how to reach non-believers uh, around the world. And so Southeastern has been that place, and I know I get to equip our students and take them and go with them to the ends of the world. You know, one of the things that I always say, just talking about how it drips with Great Commission, is the signs that we have, if you've ever been to Southeastern, that line the road and the sidewalks to say every you know, classroom is mm-hmm. a Great Commission mm-hmm. classroom. That doesn't make us a Great Commission That's institution. Right. That's right. The, the big go, which is so good and a good reminder that mm-hmm. we need to go, that does not make us a Great Commission seminary. That's right. What makes us a Great Commission seminary is that every single faculty member, every single student, Every single alumni is completely 100% without a doubt sold out on the Great Commission mm-hmm. and has dedicated their lives to fulfilling that. And so you have been such a great example of leading the way in that. And I'm so grateful uh, to have had, with both of you, have had the the opportunity to serve alongside you and even learn from you uh, in the classroom. So appreciate that. Thank you. And appreciate you both. Uh, if you're listening and you are considering starting or furthering your theological education, or if you're a pastor and there's someone in your church that has expressed interest in seminary, consider Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. It is the mission of Southeastern to equip students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. There are many different degree options both on campus and online. For more information about Southeastern and how they can help you fulfill the mission, visit sebts.edu. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with today's conversation. And as always, friends, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.